Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. How are your pants, Peyton? Great. Those look cozy. They almost look like my pants. No. <laughs> I might have gotten your pants in my laundry, too. I think. Another pair. Let me check. Really? I'm like, where are all my pants? <laughs> all my leggings. My black leggings that are so cozy. Yum. Thank you, please. Thank you, please. Who am I? Please, thank you, please. Return my pants. Please, thank you, please. I don't know if this is yours. What's yes, this? they're mine. <laughs> I can get you some that are your size. Or I could steal yours. Yeah, but don't you want to be able to wear them to school? Or I could steal yours. You would never take my things because you care about me. You would feel so guilty. You're all low-key it's not. Here. Low-key not. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I already did it. <laughs> I already took your pants. Okay, well, I guess I'll just go to Disneyland by myself. Do, 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 do. Are you thinking of <laughs> what? That's the, that's the noise that oh, you yeah. do when people are thinking. Do. <laughs> okay. A series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. Book the 13th, the end. And I'm glad that this is actually kind of like wrapping up nicely because a lot of the books, I, um, this is not very. Did you leave your blanket in bed? No, it was right here. A lot of book, these books have been kind of like. Just, like, repetitive and, like, a little bit on the boring side. I don't know, Peyton. I don't know. Okay. Chapter 8. You took it. No, I didn't! No, I didn't! (laughs) Yes, you did. No, I didn't! Because it was right here. Okay, whatever. Okay, look. First you're taking my pants. Now you're taking my blanket. (laughs) I did not take your blanket. Okay, whatever. Look. Okay, you put it in your pants or something. No, I didn't! <laughs> Nothing in my pants. Okay, well, besides my arms. I feel like no. you're you're tricking me. No, I'm not. Okay, whatever. Chapter eight. Thinking up something like picking up a stone when walk when taking a walk, either while skipping rocks on the beach, for example, or looking for a way to shatter the glass doors of a museum. When you think about something, it adds a little bit of weight on your walk, and you think about more and more things that you're liable to feel. Heavier and heavier until you're so burdened that you cannot take any further steps. And you just sit there and stare at the gentle movements of the ocean, of the ocean waves or the security guards. Thinking too hard about too many things to do anything else. At the sunset, casting long shadows, oh, as the sunset casted long shadows on the coastal shelf, the Baudelaire orphans felt so heavy from their thoughts that they could scarcely move. They thought about the island and the terrible storm that had brought them there, about the boat that had taken them through the storm and their own treachery of the Hotel Denouement that they had that had led them to escape the boat with Count Olaf, who had stopped calling who had stopped Peyton, if you don't stop moving, I am gonna lose my mind. Jeez. Who had stopped calling out to the Baudelaire's and was now snoring loudly in the birdcage. They thought about the colony and the cloud of the islanders had put them under and the peer pressure that had led the islanders to decide to abandon them, and the facilitator who started the peer pressure and the secret apple core of the facilitator that seemed no different than the secret items that he had gotten 
that had gotten the Baudelaire's in trouble in the first place. They thought about Kit Snicket and the storm that, and the storm that had left their unconscious, her unconscious at the top of the strange library raft, and their friends, the Quagmire Triplets, who may also have been caught in the same stormy sea, and Captain Wooderson's submarine that lay under the sea, and the mysterious schism that lay under everything like an enormous question mark, and the Baudelaire's thought as they did every time that they saw the sky grow dark of their parents. If you've ever lost someone, then you might know that sometimes when you think of them trying to imagine where they might be, and the Baudelaire's thought of how far away their mother and father seemed, while all the wickedness in the world felt so close, locked in the cage just a few feet from where the children sat. Violet thought, and Klaus thought, and Sunny thought, as this afternoon drew to evening and felt so burdened by their thoughts that they could scarcely hold another thought and yet as the last rays of the sun disappeared into the horizon they felt something else to think about for the darkness they heard a familiar voice that they had to think of what to do where am i kit snicket asked as the children heard her body rustle on top of the layer of the bookshelf hovering over over the snoring kit violet said standing up quickly you're awake it's the baudelaire's klaus said baudelaire's kit repeated faintly is it really you Anias, Sunny said, which meant in the flesh. Huh? You said repeat and repeated faintly. I did? Yeah. Oh. Kit repeated faintly. Oh, whatever. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Interesting. Where are we, Kit said. The Baudelaire's were silent for a moment and then realized for the first time that they did not even know the name of the place that they were. Well, we're on a coastal shelf, Violet said finally, although trying to decide not to add that they had been abandoned there. There's an island nearby, Klaus said, in the middle, the Klaus said, the middle Baudelaire did not explain that they were not welcome to set foot on it. Safe, Sunny said, but she did not mention decision day was approaching and that soon the entire area would be flooded with seawater. Without discussing the matter, the Baudelaire's decided not not to tell Kit the whole story. Of course, Kit murmured. I should have known I'd be here. Eventually, everything washes up on these shores. Have you been here before, Violet asked? No, Kit said, but I've heard about this place. My associates have told me the story of mechanical wonders, its enormous library, and the gourmet meals that the island prepare, islanders prepare. Why, the day before I met you, Baudelaire's, I shared a Turkish coffee with an associate who was saying he'd never heard had any better oyster Rockefeller than during the time on the island. You must be having a wonderful time here. Uh, Genesips, then he said, restating an earlier opinion. Uh, I think this place has changed since your associate was here, Klaus said. Well, that's probably true, Kit said thoughtfully. Thursday did say that the colony had suffered a schism, just as the VFD did. Another schism, Violet said. Countless schisms have divided the world over the year, Kit replied into the darkness so basically is a schism like an argument that they stay separated you don't know i know okay i think a schism is something that ha- like a decision that happens and then there's bad guys and good guys mm-hmm. okay okay all right this book is so confusing even to a grown-up do you think that the history of vfd is the only story in the world but let's not talk about the past baudelaire's tell me tell me how you made your way to these shores well, the same way you did, Violet said. We were castaways. The only way we could leave Hotel Denouement was the boat. I knew that you'd run into danger there, Kit said. We were watching the skies. We saw smoke, and we knew that you were signaling, signaling to, not, 
Bobo, you were signaling at us that it wasn't safe to join you. Thank you, Baudelaire's. I knew that you wouldn't fail us. Tell me, Dewey. Tell me, is Dewey with you? Aw, oh, poor Dewey. Kit's words were almost more than the Baudelaire's could stand. The smoke she had seen, of course, was far from the children who had seen the hotel's laundry room, which was quickly spreading across the, in- the entire building, interrupting Count Olaf's trial and endangering the lives of the people inside, villains and volunteers alike. And Dewey, I'm sad to remind you, was not with the Baudelaire's, but lying dead at the bottom of the pond, still clutching the harpoon that the three siblings had fired into his heart. Ugh. Yeah, ooh, yikes. But Violet, Klaus, and Sonny had, could not bring themselves to tell Kit the whole story. Not now. They could not bear to tell her what happened to Dewey and to, and to all the other noble people they had encountered. Not yet. Not now, not yet, and perhaps not ever. No, Violet said, Dewey isn't here. Count Olaf is with us, Klaus said, but he's locked up. Viper, Sonny added. Oh, I'm glad Ink is safe, Kit said. The Baudelaire's thought that, that they could almost hear a smile. That's my special nickname for the incredibly deadly viper. Ink kept me good company on this raft while we were separated from the others. The quagmires, Klaus asked. You found them? Yes, Kit said, and coughed a bit. But they're not here. Maybe they'll wash up too, Violet said. Maybe, Kit said uncertainly. And maybe Dewey will join us too. We need as many associates as we can get if we're going to return to the world and make sure that justice is served. But first, let's... I know... Well, let's find this colony I've heard so much about. I need a shower and a hot meal, and I want to hear the whole story of what happened to you. Oh, is that why? Is that why um, Ishmael doesn't want to bring her on because he she knows what the island is supposed to be like. Um, is that why Kit, I, I Ishmael's like leave her here because he's like ah, I know who that is. She started to lower herself down from the raft, but then stopped with a cry of pain. You shouldn't move, Violet said quickly, glad for an excuse to keep Kit on the coastal shelf. Your foot's been injured. Both of my feet have been injured, Kit corrected ruefully, lying back on the raft. The telegram device fell on my legs when the submarine was attacked. I need your help, Baudelaire's. We need to get to a safe place. We'll do everything we can, Klaus said. Maybe help's on the way, Kit said. I can I can see someone coming. The Baudelaire's turned to look at the dark in the dark and saw a very tiny thin thin bright light skittering towards them from the west. At first, the light looked nothing more like a firefly darting here and there on the coastal shelf, but gradually the children could see that it was a flashlight around several figures, white robes huddled walking carefully among the puddles of debris. The shine of the flashlight reminded Klaus of all of the nights he spent reading under the covers of the Baudelaire mansion, while outside outside the night made, made mysterious noises and his parents always insisted that they were nothing more than the wind, even on the windless evenings. Some mornings, his father would come into Klaus's room, wake him up, and find him still asleep, clutching his flashlight in one hand and his book in another. And, as the flashlight drew closer and closer, the middle Baudelaire could not help but think that it was his father walking across that coastal shelf to come to the children's aid after all this time. But, of course, it wasn't the Baudelaire's father. The figures arrived at the cube of books, and the children could see the faces from two islanders, Finn, who was holding the flashlight, and Irwan, who was carrying a large covered basket. Good evenings, Baudelaire's, Finn said in the dim light of the flashlight. She looked even younger than she was. We brought you some supper, Erwan said, said and held out the basket to the children. We were concerned that you might be quite hungry out here. We are, Violet admitted. The Baudelaire's, of course, wished wish that their, the islanders had expressed their concern in front of Ishmael. 
and the others when the colony was deciding to abandon the children on the coastal shelf. But as Finn opened the basket and the children smelled up the island's customary dinner of onion soup, the children did not want to look a gift horse in the mouth. A phrase here which means turn down an offer of a hot meal no matter how disappointed they were in the person who was offering it. Is there enough for our friend, Klaus asked. She's regained consciousness. I'm glad to hear it, Finn said. There's enough food for everyone. As long as you keep the secret of our coming here, Erwan said, Ishmael might not think it was proper. I'm surprised he doesn't forbid the use of flashlights, Violet said, and Finn, as Finn handed her a coconut shell of steaming soup. Ishmael doesn't forbid anything, Finn said. He's never forced me to throw any this flashlight away. However, he suggested that I let the sheep take it to the arboretum. Instead, I slipped it into my robe. It's a secret, and Madame Nordoff has been secretly supplying me with batteries in exchange for my secret teaching her how to yodel, which, Ishmael said, might frighten the other islanders. And Miss Caliban secretly slipped me this picnic basket, Erwan said, in exchange for my secret teaching of the backstroke, which Ishmael is not, said is not customary to swim. Mr. Caliban Mr. Caliban, said Kit in the darkness. Miranda Caliban is here. Yes, Ben said. Do you know her? I know her husband, Kit said. He and I stood together stood together for a long time in a great struggle. You're, we're still very good friends. Your friend must be a little confused after her journey, Erwan said as the Baudelaire's were standing up on their tippy toes. She could hand Kit some soup. Miss Caliban and her husband perished many years ago in the storm that brought her here. That's impossible, Kit said, reaching down to the bowl from the young girl. I, I just had turkey, Turkish coffee with him. Miss Caliban is not the sort of to keep secrets, Finn said, and that's why she lives on the island. It's a safe place far from treachery of the world. Ignorama, Sunny said, putting her coconut shell back in the soup on the of soup back on the ground so she could share it with the deadly incredible viper. Deadly incredibly deadly viper. My sister means that it seems that the island has plenty of secrets, Klaus said, thinking wistfully of his commonplace book and the secrets it's in the secret its pages contain. I'm afraid we have more secrets to discuss, Erwan said. Turn off the flashlight, Finn. We don't want to be seen from the island. Finn nodded and turned off the flashlight. The Baudelaire's had one last glimpse of it of each other before the darkness engulfed them, and for a moment, everyone stood in silence and was afraid to speak. Many, many years ago, when the great-great-grandperson of the oldest person you know was not even a day old, was not even day-old infants, and when the city, when the city where the, bear, where the Baudelaire's were born was nothing more than a handful of dirt huts in the Hotel Denouement, but nothing but an architectural sketch. And the faraway island had a name and was not conscious, con, not, was not considered very far away at all. There was a group of people called the, what is it, the Cimmerians? Cimmerians? Cimmerians. They were, an, they were a nomadic people, which means that they traveled constantly, and they often traveled at night, the same, when the sun would not give them sunburns, and when the coastal shelf in the area in which they lived would not be flooded with water. Because they traveled in shadow, few people ever got a good look at the Cimmerinians, Cim, <laughs> and they were considered sneaky and mysterious people, and to this day, things done in the dark tend to have people tend to have a somewhat sinister reputation a man digging a hole in his backyard during the afternoon for instance looks like a gardener but a man digging a hole at night looks like he's burying a terrible secret and a woman gazes out her window during the daytime to be enjoying the view but it looks more like a spy if she does it waits until nightfall the night the nighttime digger may actually be planting a tree to surprise his niece while his niece giggles at him from the window and in the morning 
watcher may actually be planning to blackmail to blackmail their so-called gardener as he buries the evidence with his vicious from his vicious crimes but thanks to the cinnamarinians cinnamarinians the darkness makes even the most innocent of activities seem superstitious and so in the darkness of the coastal shelf the Baudelaire's suspect that the question Finn asked his sin- was a sinister one even though it could have been something one of their teachers might have asked in their classroom do you know the meaning of the word mutiny she said in a calm quiet voice Violet and Sunny knew that Klaus would answer although they were pretty sure themselves that the word meant a mutiny is when a group of people take action against a leader yes Finn said a professor Fletcher taught me that word we are here to tell you that a mutiny will take place at breakfast said erwin oh wait erihuan or erhuan erhuan i don't even know how to say that name more and more colonists are getting sick and tired of the way things are going on the island and ishmael is the root of the trouble tuber sunny said the root of the trouble means that the cause of the islanders' problems, Klaus explained. Exactly, Erwin said, and when decision day arrives, we will finally have the opportunity to get rid of him. They're going to get rid of him? Oh my gosh, rid of him, Violet repeated? The phrase sounded sinister in the dark. We're going to force him to aboard the outrigger right after breakfast, Erwin said, and then push him out to sea as the coastal shelf Erwin. floods. Erwin, er, I think his name is Erwin. E R E. W-H-O-N. Irwin? I don't know. And push him out to sea as the coastal shelf floods. A man traveling in the ocean alone is unlikely to survive, Klaus said. He won't be alone, Finn said. A number of islanders support Ishmael. If necessary, we'll force them to leave the island as well. How many, Sunny asked. Well, it's hard to know how many supporters Ishmael, do, Ishmael has, Orwan said. And the children heard the old woman sip from her seashell. You've seen how he acts. He doesn't force anyone, but everyone ends up agreeing with him anyways. But no longer. At breakfast, we'll find who supports him and who doesn't. Erwin says that we'll fight all day and all night if we have to, Finn said. Everyone will have to choose sides. The children heard an enormous sad sigh from the top of the raft of the books. A schism, Kit said quietly. A schism, that's right, when people split. I knew it. Okay. Um, Gestioned it, Erwin said. That's what, what, guess and hit. Okay, Erwin said, that's what, why, well, that's why we've come to you, Baudelaire's. We need all the help that we can get. After the way that Ishmael has abandoned you, we figured that you'd be on your, on our side, Finn said. Don't you agree that he's the root of the trouble? The Baudelaire's stood together in silence, thinking about Ishmael and all that they knew about him. They thought of the way that he had taken them in so kindly upon their arrival on the island, but also how quickly he had abandoned them on the coastal shelf. They thought about how eager he had been to keep the Baudelaire safe, but also how eager he was to lock Count Olaf in a birdcage. They thought about his dishonesty, about his injured feet, and and about his secret apple eating, but as the children thought of all they knew about the facilitator, they also thought about how much money, how much they, how much money, what, how much they didn't know about it didn't know and after hearing both count olaf and kit snicket talk about the history of the island the baudelaire orphans realized that they did not know the whole story and the children might agree that ishmael was the root of the trouble but they could not be sure i don't know violet said you don't know erwin said incredulously we brought we brought you supper ishmael left you out to starve and you don't know whose side you're on well, we trusted you when you said Count Olaf was a terrible person, Finn said. Why can't you trust us, Baudelaire's? 
Well, forcing Ishmael to leave the island seems a bit drastic, Klaus said. It's a bit drastic to put a man in a cage, Erwin pointed out, but I didn't hear you complaining then. Quid pro quo, Sonny said. If we help you, Violet asked, will you help Kit? Our friend is injured, Klaus said, injured and pregnant. And the dis- and distraught, Kit added weakly from the top of a raft. If you help us with our plan in defeating Ishmael, Finn promised we'll get her to a safe place. And if not, Sunny said. Well, we won't force you, Baudelaire's, Erwin said, sounding like the facilitator she wanted to defeat. But the decision day is approaching and the coastal shelf will flood. You'll need to make a choice. The Baudelaire's did not say anything for a moment, and everyone stood in silence, broken by Count Olaf's snores. When Cla- Violet, Klaus, and Sunny were not interested in being a part of the schism. After witnessing all of the misery that followed the schism of VFD, but they didn't see a way to avoid it. Finn said that they had to make a choice, but choosing between living alone on a coastal shelf, endangering themselves and their injured friend, and participating in the island's mutinous plan, it did not feel like much of a choice at all, and they wondered how many people would have felt this way this way during the countless schisms that had divided the world over the years we'll help you violet said what do you want us to do we need you to sneak into the arboretum Ben said you mentioned your mechanical abilities violet and klaus seems to be very well read all of the forbidden items that we've scavenged for over the years should come in very handy indeed even the baby should be able to cook up something erwin said but what do you mean klaus asked what should we do with the all the detrit- detritus we need weapons, of course, Erwin said in the darkness. We hope to force Ishmael off the island peacefully, Finn said quickly. But Erwin says that we'll need weapons just in case. Ishmael will will notice if we go to the far side of the island, so you should be able to sneak over there, over the Bray, find or build some weapons in the, in the Arboretum, and then bring them back to us here before breakfast so that we can begin the mutiny. Absolutely not, cried Kit from the top of the raft. I won't hear of you putting your talent to such nefarious use, Baudelaire's. I'm sure that the island can solve its difficulties without resorting to violence. Did you solve your difficulties without resorting to violence, Erwin asked sharply. Is that how you survived? A great struggle you mentioned ended up in a shipwreck and a draft on a raft of boats uh, of books? My history is not important, Kit replied. I'm worried about the Baudelaire's. And we're worried about you, Kit, Violet said. We need as many associates as we can get if we're going to return to the world and make sure that justice is served. You need to be in a safe place to preoccupy from your injury, Klaus said. And baby, Sunny said. There's no reason to engage in treachery, Kit said. But she did not sound for sure. Her voice was weak and faint, and the children heard the books rustling as she moved over her injured feet uncomfortably. Please help us, Finn said, and we'll help your friend. There must be a weapon that can threaten Ishmael and his supporters, Erwin said. Now she doesn't sound like Ishmael. And now she doesn't. Now she did not sound like Ishmael. The Baudelaire's had heard almost the exact same words from the imprisoned mouth of Count Olaf, and they shuddered to think of the weapons he was hiding in the birdcage. Violet put down her empty soup bowl and picked up her baby sister while Klaus took the flashlight from the old woman. We'll be back as soon as we can, Kit, the eldest Baudelaire promised. Wish us luck. The raft trembled as Kit uttered a long sigh. Good luck, she said finally. I wish things were different, Baudelaire's. So do we, Klaus replied, and the three children followed the narrow beam of flashlight back towards the colony that had abandoned them. Their footsteps made small splashes on the coastal shelf, but the Baudelaire's heard a quiet slither of the incredibly deadly viper loyally following them on their errand. There was no sign of the moon, 
the stars were covering in clouds and remained from the passing storm, or perhaps were heralding a new one, heralding a new one, so the entire world seemed to vanish outside the secret flashlight's forbidden light. With each damp and uncertain step, the children felt heavier as their thoughts were stones that had been carried to the arboretum where all of their forbidden items lie waiting for them. They thought about the islanders and the mutinous schisms that would soon divide the colony in two. They thought about Ishmael and wondered whether his secrets and deceptions meant that he would serve that he would be deserved to that he deserved to be at sea, and they thought about the medusoid mycelium fermenting in the helmet of Olaf's, Olaf's grasps and wondering if the islanders would discover the weapon before the Baudelaire's built another. The children traveled in the dark just so, just as so many other people had done before them and the nomadic travelers and the nomadic travels of the Cinemaranians to the desperate voyages of the quagmire triplets who had at that very moment were in circumstances just as dark although quite a bit damper than the Baudelaire's, and as the children drew closer and closer to the island that had abandoned them, their thoughts made them heavier and heavier, and the Baudelaire orphans wished things were very different indeed.